Hey guys, this is the Talk Too Much podcast. Welcome back. I'm Emily. And I'm Carla. And we are so excited today to bring in our first guest. Guys. <laughs> we feel so official. Our first interview, please be kind to us. Yes. But her name is Erin, and she is a multi-hyphenate, huge inspiration to us. So we're so honored she's here. Yeah. We're going to let her introduce herself because this girl is similar to us in that she has uh, yeah, multiple things happening. Like, I like a lady with a lot of passions. I like a lady with a lot of things going on. Um, so we're gonna let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about where she came from. But first, we gotta do, what are you talking too much about, Erin? What am I talking too much? First of all, hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. I'm so excited. I'm talking too much about, well, two things. One's a product, one's a concept. So okay, product. Product first. We <laughs> love products. Fake tanner. Oh! Yeah. It's springtime, baby. It's springtime. I'm a ginger, so I got to protect the skin, but also I don't want to be a ghost. So um, Lux Unfiltered is this brand of face tanning yeah. drops that I mix in with my moisturizer. It's so good. It's so good. And it replaces the need for me anyway to use like a foundation or things like that because it just makes it like evens out all of your skin so it's really great wow. that's amazing i've tried the drops before but i haven't really tried those drops before yeah i've, I've, I've tried other drops and i f feel like they've not done a really even job yeah or they make me break out this one Ooh. is it's kind of like a it's just a high i don't know it, it's sort of a neutral yeah if anything maybe a little hydrating Oh, they, I just mix it in with my moisturizer. You turned me on to the Lux Unfiltered Body yep. Lotion. Uh, a couple summers, I think it was quarantine, you were like, it's the perfect time to learn. Yep. I, was, <laughs> I was so intimidated by fake tanner. Man, everyone looks better with a tan. Yes, <laughs> I, which I think is their like, marketing on them. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, really? Nailed that, yeah. yeah but it is really good. So the body tanner is also phenomenal. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I... I, I like a fake tan, but I honestly have such a hard time finding time. I have one that's like a mousse safe to wash off. So I think I need to yeah. go back to the drops idea. Okay. That's better. Actually, yeah. so let's have a quick, quick sidebar. What yes. is your self-tanning process? Yeah. Because you're always glowing. Oh, bless your sweetheart. <laughs> um, My process is, I'm also like, with you, you. Like, I don't do like to spend a, a lot of time on Do you have a system? It. I do have a system. Yeah. yeah. So shave and exfoliate in the shower okay. on the days you're going to tan. Um, I use the First Aid Beauty Exfoliating Scrub. It's great. I get it on Amazon. Oh, it's yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, and then I think I said shave already. And then when I get out of the shower, I'll just moisturize with regular lotion, my knees, ankles, wrists, elbows, things that like where it I think that's a trick. It's a little too much to pigment. Yeah. Uh, and then I just use, that's why I like the lotion tanner instead of a mousse because I just, I apply lotion every day anyway. And so I just put that on and then dance around naked for a few minutes while it dries <laughs> and then yeah. you're good to go. No, that's so it's awesome. super okay. easy. Yeah. And then how long do you find it lasts? Like, do you, are you doing this, like, every three days, or is it, like, a week? In the summertime, so, okay, this is one thing I will say, having naturally fair skin, when I use, when I build tanner, typically it looks really weird on me, mm. because I don't have as much, like, underlying pigment, pigment, except in the summertime. So, in the summertime, when I have a little bit more color anyway, I'll fake tan maybe every two or three days, just to kind of keep my skin, like, the same color, but a little bit boosted. warmer. <laughs> yeah, boosted. In the wintertime or even right now when I'm still very, very pasty, I'll do it like once every five days or something where I'll exfoliate. You're not supposed to, I think, you're not supposed to exfoliate more than once a week. Gotcha. So okay. anytime I exfoliate, I'll do it. That's a okay. perfect system. This, yeah. is, this is very helpful because yeah. it's intimidating because you mess, you see people who mess it up and you're like, 
Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. And I've been that person, so I get it. Yeah. But especially in the summer, if it's like all messed up on your legs and you're wanting to wear shorts, it's like you, yeah. Yeah, you need to have it. You need, this is the time to be starting these journeys so you can work out the kinks before yeah. you're in shorts. Totally. The feet <laughs> and ankles are still a little weird and hard for me, to be honest. Like you can see, it's a, they're a little darker. <laughs> That's okay. We're no. just practicing. But once I get a little bit more actual sun, then that goes away. Yeah, yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. okay, what's the second You've thing? already added so much value to our lives. Yeah. And... <laughs> Close. Yes, Done. Exactly. Um, the yeah, second thing second? is abundance. Nick's so tired of hearing me say this word. <laughs> your husband. Yeah, my husband Nick is so tired of hearing me say it. But I, I don't know. It was just a lot. I think coming out of being pregnant and then a new mom and then postpartum, I went through about 18 months of life where I just didn't really feel like myself. And not in a bad way. I've just always been a very like motivated, goal-oriented type person. And when I was fresh at being a mom, I didn't have a lot of disposable energy for that. And so I wasn't looking at things from, from the perspective of like, where's the opportunity in this? It was more like, let's, I don't even want to say survive because that puts a negative connotation, but like, let's just figure out how to do this one thing first. And now we're in a better groove. My son is, is creating messes all over, which we've talked about before, but we have kind of a more normal, regular family schedule. And so I'm in a better place mentally, emotionally to be able to say like, okay, well, what can I do now that I'm, I'm like, I like this version of me as a mom and as, you know, having a more balanced life better. Mm -hmm. So there's so much around me that I can touch or do or try, or there's just abundance. There's an abundance of opportunity. So I'm like on this kick right now where my husband's like, whatever, whatever it is, literally, I'm like, that's fine. There will be a new opportunity. He's like, Okay, let's temper this a little bit. That's why I'm talking too much about abundance, which I'm fine with. That's a wonderful wonderful thing. And it's so true. Like when you aren't even sure how you're going to get dinner on the table, when you're not sure how much sleep you're going to get, it's really hard to be motivated and positive and excited about like seeking out new opportunities when you're like, I just... I just need to find time to take a shower. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, it's crazy how our sons are two weeks apart yeah. and they're growing up really quickly and yeah. it really changes and things become so much more predictable and it like yes. opens up that brain space. Yes. 100%. I like that you said like 18 months. I feel like that's, it's so often I feel like I hear people say like, well, you know, they go back to work after three months or whatever. And I'm like, I feel like, that, like yeah. from my, from watching other people it's like you really need to anticipate not starting a lot for a year and a half. Like you really need that's totally. like a yeah. That was a huge a reasonable mis- amount of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I had a huge misconception that moms go back around three months, so that must be when things kind of start to get more rhythm and yeah. regularity. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I think I always tried to gauge it against my kids' development. Like, oh, at six months they can start doing this or at one year ours went to daycare so I I kept trying to gauge my readiness to re-enter world as this new version of me against where he was at developmentally but those are not always these are not mutually exclusive or they what's the right way to say that no they're not the same thing they're not on the same timeline right and so it wasn't like Remy's been in a great place for a few months but it was really more about me like okay now I'm coming up for air or I'm just feeling maybe it's also the spring that could be part of it too it's just seasonal yeah yeah yeah. but they were not on the same timeline and that's okay yeah um so Carla speaking of spring what are you talking too much about I am talking too much about gardening as of the last like two days we were saying earlier that I was like I all I need to do is watch a YouTube video and suddenly I am like re-inspired I love garden answer on YouTube but I recently just watched an Allison Bickerstaff video and she put this backyard garden in 
and I suddenly was obsessed with gardening again. I got into gardening in 2020, quarantine hobby, and I really liked it. Um, and then last year I did some, I kind of like bit off a little too much last year, I think, and I had like 32 tomato plants. I don't no. know. It was wild. Um, and the tomato plants all <laughs> grew off too much. Yeah, I know. The tomato plants all grew together. It's funny I say that because today I went and picked up new tomato plants. I was just about someone... to say, isn't that what you were doing yeah. earlier? And somebody said, and my friend that went with me was like, okay, last year I got, I think she said she got four. And she was like, that was too many. And I literally left with six because I just can't help myself. <laughs> so and I tried to, I was like, well, some more cherry tomatoes. And she was like, okay. I was like, well, likelihood is that one, at least one or two die. So I think I'm going to end up with like four, but, um, I'm just very excited because I don't know. There's something about, I, I've realized how much I enjoy hobbies that are not tech-based, like to outside of, I love my job and stuff so much, but I can easily do it all the time. Yeah. And so sourdough bread and gardening are great, like getting outside or getting off your phone hobbies where you can like make something and I just enjoy it. So I'm excited to um, bring my garden back this year. Probably I'm trying to keep it a little bit more manageable, but also I'm like, literally what's the worst that can happen? I end up with tomato. I mean, I still got a lot of tomato last year, so it's worked out. It's oh, pretty... Once that you have your space set up, it's a pretty low investment hobby. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. nice. And as long as you like, I feel like I just had to. I love watching gardeners on YouTube, but her gardens are amazing. They're like these beautiful, and if you just can remember, that is not what you're gonna have, at least the first couple of years. It's a lot easier to just enjoy whatever you get out of it and not yeah. not take it too seriously because it is supposed to just be fun. <laughs> it's not supposed to be some like perfect managed thing and you know yeah. have nothing you know go bad before you pick it off the vine which happens to me everyone's wrong <laughs> anyway what have you been talking too much about em okay i have been talking too much about sort of like falling in love with where you live i feel like i've been talking about this since we moved back here where because yeah. i live now in the house that we grew up in mm -hmm. but finding really cool places that are just totally aligned with like what you're into right now and actually making the effort to seek them out instead of just going to the like the places you know or yeah. places you've been with other people. So we went vintage shopping for the first time this weekend uh -huh. at this uh, sort of like market. Yeah. It was so fun. I found great side tables for the new nursery and some other places in our house. But really it was just fun to go somewhere new and be like, I had no idea this existed. No. And it's funny because apparently everyone else knew about that except for us because yeah. all these other people were like, that's your first time. And I'm like, you did not think <laughs> people did not I, know. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't tell us. I don't know, but it was really fun. I, I love, I mean, I like shopping just in general, but it was extra fun because we went with some girlfriends and like, I don't know, found some, you found some really good stuff. So yeah, I did. As a consumer was, of your content, I love when you're finding new places around one because I'm close and I live close enough to be able to take advantage. But also I love seeing what you're finding. So keep finding the, <laughs> oh, okay. keep, keep doing it because to make a little it's content I tune in for. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. Pat and I went out to dinner Friday night for our anniversary and there's this really nice restaurant in Frederick, but they had this cool back area that's like more casual, less expensive. And I was just like, how it takes some digging mm -hmm. to find like the really special places, yeah. but then it's so awesome and you get to share it with people. It's just, no, and I feel like Instagram is like the best way to find some, mm -hmm. like following people that like live in your area yeah. and seeing what they're doing is like the Definitely. best way to find the cool stuff. So I know I've decided that person. Oh, well, thanks. I've, I've decided that I'm going to like, if I find something great, I'm going to share about it so that 
I can kind of be of service. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I want to, you know, you want to support local yeah. stuff. Yeah. Awesome. So we should probably actually dive into yeah. chatting with Aaron. If you can't tell, we're pretty good friends. Carla yes. and Aaron hadn't even met until today, which is so funny, but... I've been following Erin since you guys and you guys, your mutual friend, you guys went somewhere in DC and got Bloody Marys with bagels on top. Do yep. you guys remember that? Union sure Market. That yes. was before I even started photography. That's mm -hmm. crazy. So that's how long I've been following Erin and then she moved away and then she moved back and now we're finally meeting even though I feel like I've known you for years. So uh, Yeah, I feel <laughs> the same way about you as well. I didn't even, it didn't even register until I was surprised at how tall you are. It didn't even register that I hadn't been in the same room as you before because I feel like I've also yeah. known you. Yeah, no, funny. it's perfect. And then now that you started a podcast, I'm like, I just get to like, I like your voice is like in my ears when I'm walking or driving. Or so. I get to inundate you. Yeah, okay. it's perfect. Um, so should we jump in? Yes. Okay. I was thinking that it would be helpful. Erin, can you just explain to everyone sort of how you got to where you are? Because you do have a lot going on and we are very inspired by that. And you've had sort of a wandering journey. Yes, <laughs> I have. Yeah. So I am originally from Denver, Colorado, right outside of Denver. I'm from a huge family, second of six kids. And um, my... Dad is a very curious person. He, my mom was a stay-at-home mom my whole life. My dad is a small business owner, blue-collar work. He's a contractor. But he's so curious about things, and I was very much cut from the same cloth as he. So growing up, I went through high school, and it was always an understanding that I would go to college. I'm a first-generation college grad. It's what my parents wanted for all of us kids. But there was no direction around what to do with that once you go. So the examples of women that I had in my life at the time were stay-at-home moms, teachers, or nurses. Like that was it. I literally had never met a woman who had ever worn like a pantsuit <laughs> before. <laughs> so I went to school. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher and I knew I wanted to work. So I was like, I guess I'll be a nurse. Okay. So I went to school for nursing, which is hilarious because I'm, spoiler, spoiler alert, I'm not a nurse. But <laughs> I realized after a few years in the nursing program that I didn't actually want to be a nurse, switched to psychology, got that just to graduate. But what I learned in that process was like, I'm actually curious about a lot of different things, a lot of different courses of study. And so when I graduated, I knew I didn't want to continue education in psychology. I always have valued being very self-sufficient. And part of that is making money. A big part of that is making money. And so I started working for an industrial hygiene company in their sales department because I didn't know what industrial hygiene was. And I was like, well, let's learn about this. Right. What can I learn from here? Um, then my now husband, we were dating at the time, got accepted to school to continue his education here in DC. So we moved here. I took a job with a tech company just because I knew someone who knew someone who had a big brother who was willing to do a favor. <laughs> so I started in a new industry and then from there have built a career in tech, kind of doing various different things within technology, always sort of along the lines of client facing. So I started in sales, sort of learned my skill set there. And then now I'm working in more of a big picture sort of client strategy. I work for an advertising technology company that I moved to uh, after Nick finished school in DC, we moved to New York and I started there, um, which is awesome. And I've learned so much and I've been exposed to so many really 
wonderful people who have who've kind of taken me under their wing and taught me. But I've realized in going through this journey of just being curious that what I like so much is hearing other people's stories and learning from people and then sharing what I'm learning. So like, what am I talking too much about? I love that you guys have that as a segment because I love hearing what other people are interested in um, and then turning that into a service. So one of my offshoots, aside from my full-time gig, is the podcast. Thanks for waiting. Yes, you recently launched. It's awesome. It is so helpful and valuable for anyone that is on, I would say, the earlier in the earlier phases yeah. of career, you know, but like yeah. the first, there's stuff everyone can learn from for sure, but maybe the first like 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Basically, if you, if you like our content, but you actually need like real valuable career advice, this would be a really <laughs> good podcast. It's like very conversational and fun, but like real value in actually moving your career forward. Yes. Like Thank real you. tactical stuff, which we appreciate. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, We're I try a to, lot. I'll tell you. <laughs> I try to keep it tactical. Um, yeah, but that's that's exactly right. So that's kind of who I'm trying to serve with the podcast is the me of ten years ago, fifteen years ago, who was graduating college or maybe entering a new city or a new job or a new career title, whatever it is, that doesn't have a lot of the things that are sort of skills that you just need to have and you don't you don't learn them until you go through it and experience them and so there's that element that I can't give someone right off the bat but um I was like I said I was so lucky to have a lot of great mentors in my life who took me under their wing but I realized that that's the exception not the norm and so the hope of the podcast is to serve people who are like how do I have a really productive one-on-one with my boss or I want to pivot and change career paths altogether, but all of my experience is doing this one thing and now I want to do this other thing. How do I do that or where do I start? And so it's conversations around that, either through my own experience and anything that I can share or more valuably probably bringing people on who (laughs) have experience that they can share. We can really relate to um, feeling like it's kind of the Wild West to go into a corporate position when your parents weren't in Mm -hmm. that. We have... A lot of similarities that our parents ran their own small business. Neither of them have a four-year degree. And they've been very, I would say, successful for what... I mean, yeah, they've been very successful. But neither of them, you know, had done college applications. Neither of them um, had ever worked in an office, corporate setting. So when you don't have that, you need to seek out other people to give you some help and advice. Yeah. And... That can be hard to come by, so it's you're super like, intimidating. You're the virtual mentor. Yeah, thank you. I know that's, that's what I'm hoping to be. That's, <laughs> what I'm, that's what I'm shooting for. Because yeah, I feel like we also grew up with very similar, like teacher nurse sort of women in our lives, or stay at home moms, mm-hmm. and a lot of that. And ironically, it's funny because I'm thinking about like your job and how your Emily's first job she got sort of from somebody we did 4-H with, which mm-hmm. is like very rural, like agricultural thing, but like someone's dad, like it. You can find people um, anywhere, but you do have to be really looking for them. Yeah. yeah. You have to be very proactive. Yes. Yeah. And have to, like... Which works for our personalities, but I know there are a lot of people that... It, that well, I think it's very intimidating. Like, you don't yeah. know what you don't know. And I think especially for women, and maybe this is my own bias because I saw such a gap in what women were encouraged to do in my very conservative religious upbringing versus what was encouraged and what was resourced for men... That's not my intentional focus is like, you know, 
yeah. screw the hierarchy. Whatever. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, my yeah. point. But my point is that there is there is a disservice to women yeah. who are like, I could have these skill sets, but I don't even know where to ask, or I don't know how to ask, mm-hmm. or how do I play this game? I, my husband always like jokes at me because I will say I love playing the corporate game and not in a like nasty, sneaky way, but I think that there's a strategy to it and that doesn't need to be a bad thing, but there's a way to, to play the strategy from a place of integrity and yeah. authenticity. And that's something I'm good at and I like to teach other people. So, yeah. And I yeah. think there's a lot of women who, I mean, just with our friends and stuff, even just the way people shy away from like negotiating. Yeah. For a, oh like Emily was such a, I mean, I, I got lucky in having Emily as an older sister to be like, when I got my first job offer, like being like, should I ask for more? What should I ask for? How do I, because I remember feeling like I should just be so grateful for what I, like, I think that is like a, yeah. mm-hmm. a woman based thing because even my husband didn't have that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm just so lucky that they offered me this job. He's like, I'm going to work for, I mean, like, yeah. it's like, you're working for the money you're making. You're not doing it like out of the goodness of your heart. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe a little bit, but for the most part. And, um, I just think that there's the, like some amount of whether it's society or just like the way women are wired. I don't know, but just that you need like the, maybe a little bit more kick in the pants to be like, yeah, go ahead and ask for more. Like, Emily has been vocal about that with some of our friends. So. Well, it's easier to say it about someone else. We doubt ourselves, but mm-hmm. if you have someone else saying, like I had a, a woman that I worked with who was just a few years older, and I will never forget her saying this to me at the lunch table one day. She said, if you don't feel like you're going to have a heart attack with the number you're asking for, it's not high enough. Yeah. And I was just like, well, that's that's a standard. That's a bar. <laughs> Mission accomplished. My heart is palpitating. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so it's so true. And it's um hearing someone else tell you like you are worth mm-hmm. taking that risk, even though it's not that big of a risk, because they already want you. Well, yeah. and so and learning how to be able to ask for something and realize if they say no, it's not like a reflection of you as a person. Like I feel like that's I've gotten better at that with age of being able to just say like, I'm just going to ask them. And if they say no, they say no. Like what's yeah. the worst that can happen? Like they, I pay, think they pay you a little less. Yeah. Really huge right there, which is the, the ability to reframe and say, what's the worst that could happen? Or just reframe in general. I think that's where the title of the show came from. Thanks for waiting, which is I, a lot of the really phenomenal mentors in my life have been men and I'm super grateful for them. They, I noticed that when they would go into a meeting, for example, I would, would be in a meeting, maybe it's client facing, maybe internal, whatever. They show up a couple of minutes late. They're not groveling for forgiveness. They're not like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I'm late. They're like, thanks for waiting. Let's get started. Or thanks for that feedback. I'm not sure I understand. Give me some more. And it was just the, it's not that they were being rude or anything. It was just a simple reframe that I coming from a background where I'm like, I don't deserve to be here. I had a ton of imposter syndrome and I never had had models before. I was always like sort of timid in the place that I was at. And all it took was a mental reframe that was like, oh, thanks for waiting until I learned how to do this. Well, can you help me learn that? Or can you teach me that? And it's the same in negotiating or negotiating. (laughs) Um, But the same thing applies in negotiation, which is like, if you believe the worth that you're asking for, then it's not really that scary. Because the worst thing that can happen is they say, Thanks for asking. We can't honor that right now. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. And that's then fine. and then you get to decide like yeah. do I want to take the lower or am I not going to take it? Yeah, it's it's really crazy how much the small subtle things can change the way that you view yourself and you view your relationships especially in work situations. I feel like once you um once you get what's the word? Like once you are able to 
I guess, reframe your mindset around things. It just makes it so much easier though, because then you feel so much more empowered to mm-hmm. yeah. ask for more, take more risks, take more opportunities and realize like, I don't have to be perfect. I'm allowed to not know something. It can be messy. Yeah. It's like you can, I think I didn't realize that you can be very confident without, it feels like confident and cocky go so, are so close sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, I even heard someone saying recently that they were like, I don't really like using the word humble for women because I think it kind of keeps them like people are more worried about being humble than they are about like, you know, going after what they want. Like humble is like a good thing, but it's not, shouldn't be like the thing you focus on. And I think the same is true. Like you, you can be very confident without ever coming off as cocky if you are, um, like cocky is like so far past confident. So it just seems like there's the idea that you don't want to seem like too pushy or too whatever when there's like, you're not even asking, like you're not even just even seeing, like just asking is not, is not pushing it on this person who's also, by the way, especially in like our corporate sense, it's a freaking corporation. It's It's not even their money. It's not even like a person. Like Emily and I have both had jobs where we've worked with, you know, had personal clients, you know, like couples getting married or something like that, where it's a, it's kind of a different ask when you're asking someone for like their personal savings, not like a B2B, you've done business work for a a business and someone's like, I'll spend $500 of my company or my company card. Like that's a totally different. Yes. Um, but it's like, if you're not even asking, you're, you're not, you're not even getting close to that, uh, that threshold of being like pushy or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love what you said about confidence too, because I think there's, I listened to a podcast this week, um, specifically sort of addressing like women who are successful and be how to be confident in that without the public negativity of like, no, she's too pushy or whatever. And again, there's like more to unpack there. But the other side of that is like, we want, you want to be someone who is approachable, who people are cheering for and rooting for if you're doing really well. And one thing that this podcast mentioned was the beginner's mindset. Have you heard this before? The, The idea of it. I'm going to butcher the way that they spoke about it. They were great. But the concept being like scientists, for example, have to remain in beginner's mindset because it doesn't matter how much you learn about cancer. It doesn't matter how much you know right now. If you don't keep a beginner's mindset, cancer will continue to outsmart you. Like cancer will continue to exist regardless of how much you know of it in its form right now. And so scientists are always in beginner's mindset, which is that I know some, I know a lot, but I don't know it all. And so that's, I think, the same mindset that when I see women who I really look up to and who are successful and confident, but also someone who I want to get closer to, who I want to align with, it's because they're coming from this perspective of like, I am really good at what I'm doing right now. And I'm fully secure in that and I'm confident that I can offer value or whatever it is. But also, I don't know, I'm continuing to learn and I'm not perfect. And it's sort of, it's a way of expressing humility without being like meek or a wallflower or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be like timid to still be like a person who's evolving and growing and trying to, trying to learn more about the thing that you're passionate about. Yeah. Speaking of that, what would you say are like, you know, you talked about your, the name of your podcast and how you learned how to reframe that. What are like a couple things that you feel like if you were to look back at yourself going into your first corporate job, uh, like what were some things that you, you want, you would suggest to someone if they're going into their first job right now? Yeah. The first thing that I would say, and and I think something I've always been comfortable with, which I'm glad about was just the willingness to ask questions and the willingness to be new at something and to be the least senior person in a room 
and to just keep your mouth shut and, and listen and ask questions and write things down and then follow up on those. Um, if you if the opportunity is available for you to hash it out with someone and ask that question, great. And the truth is that that builds, that builds a relationship with the person who you are trying to learn from or who is more senior to you and maybe holds like the keys to your future in their, of your career in their hand. So that's one thing I would say is to be confident. And I think the other thing is to say, learn how we hear a lot, I think, especially in a post-COVID world where people are like, I, you know what, I'm, I've learned how to identify my boundaries and I am sticking strong to these boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's great. I really like, there's so much value there, but I think sometimes the younger generation in the workforce is getting it wrong and that they're saying no. I'm saying, no, I'm not going to work past a certain amount of time, or I'm not going to do this or this or this. I think what I would offer instead is this sort of yes and idea, which is, yes, I would love to work on this project with you because it's a great learning opportunity. And in order for me to do that, this other thing needs to be moved off my plate so that you're able to maintain your boundaries, but you're sort of changing the way that you're able to operate within those boundaries. So I think that's another thing too, is just Again, women are like we're we're more empowered now than we've ever been to like right. take a stand in the workplace and stand up for what you what your values are, and that's really really important. And I think the most way to see value in that is to continue pursuing opportunity and saying yes to things yeah. and holding the line by saying and. Yeah, I completely agree. Not stifling yourself by being like, nope, that's too much, and I said that I'm only going to do this many hours or whatever but being able to be kind of like clever with it. Yeah. I feel like life is more flexible than sometimes we give it credit for. And there are things that like you're saying, maybe there's something that can be moved off your plate and you do get to pursue this better opportunity. Maybe yeah. it requires a little more. Of yeah. You, but and that's okay. It's also, like that's, that's an, it's an investment. Yeah. yeah. And knowing that like, especially towards the beginning, I mean, I don't know, Carl and I starting businesses, like you work around the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're, you're building something and in the beginning of a career it's the same thing yeah I, one of your podcasts actually you were talking about like how sometimes seasons are hard but they are in the end only seasons and I think I almost um I almost think that I had this idea when I first started business was that I I like it was more stressful trying to maintain these boundaries that I thought I was supposed to have yeah I feel like now I have less boundaries in terms of like my work hours or something, probably more boundaries in my like personal life, but in like my work hours, because I like what I do enough to mm-hmm. just be like, I don't have to like, and I don't have children yet. I, I'm like soaking up the time where I can put a ton of hours into my job every day and enjoy it and not like force myself to like do it as fast. Like it's not, um, we were talking earlier about like, I'm starting all kinds of different things and probably not going to finish them all, but it's just the, I have the flexibility to do that. And I feel like, yeah, sometimes I think people have uh, super strong boundaries for not a, uh, just because they were told to have them. Yeah. Well, it's like, you're trying to make something sustainable for like, can you, could you do this for a whole career? But it's like, is anyone even asking you to operate at this level for a whole career? Or is it just, these few months that yeah. are going to be intense and then things will slow down or you can choose to say like, okay, that was too much. I'm going to like, you can always change your mind. Yeah. There are ways to make life work for the season you're in and having things stay like very manageable All the just time. for the sake of it yeah. might not be the most 
like empowering way to handle your career. Yeah. And I think you need a little bit of mess. You need a little bit of messy and you need a little bit of stretching to see what you're made of. Like I wouldn't, I give so much credit to the fact that we moved to New York City and I was working in an ad tech company, like this company that's doing really well and all these impressive people work there. And I don't even know what ad tech is at the time. And so I just was like, yeah, 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 I will, I will do whatever I need to do to learn. And it was super taxing at times for sure. And this is not a sob story, but it's really, I was able to see what's important to me when I'm saying yes to things and learning as much as I can. And to the point you made what we were talking about earlier, you're just collecting data points about yourself. Like what's my, what are my pressure points? What's my breaking point on things? Not that I'm saying like, go full speed into what's going to break you, but there is wisdom that you will gain from that, learning yeah. about yourself or other things. Like, what am I really good at? I would never have learned that I was good at public speaking or mentoring if I hadn't raised my hand every time there was a public speaking opportunity to talk to this group of young grads who are at a job fair and they don't, don't, don't know what to do. And I'm like, sure, I will use my Tuesday evening to go do that. Yeah. And that helped me to see things that set me up for other elements of my career. So I think... Like I said, I'm not saying shirk boundaries, but I'm just saying have a little faith that when you stretch yourself, you see what you're made of, and then you get data from that to to take into whatever the next thing is that you want to do. Yeah, it's not it's not a lifelong commitment. It's not a lifelong commitment. <laughs> and also, I feel like it can almost like stifle your enjoyment of your job to not be able to try like those opportunities that come up that you're not sure about that aren't necessarily in the direct path of where you think you want to go you might be able to find something that you might find out something that you had no idea about that you would have never known unless you gave, gave, it, a shot. gave it a shot. And yeah. I feel like um, I'm definitely into season right now of like saying yes to like pretty much everything. And sometimes that means that life seems a little bit chaotic and whatever, <laughs> but it's also, I feel like I've been growing more now than I've ever grown. Like, Oh yeah. You know, and even like the example of like Emily and I starting this podcast, I was like, I literally don't, probably like have time to do this but it's been so much fun and at one point for some of the episodes I've hired an an editor so it's like you can always adjust after the fact like there's always a way to like figure out maybe something to do or like maybe for you that's like hiring a house cleaner Mm -hmm. because you're taking on more more responsibility at work it's like there's there's other ways there's more creative ways to like figure out how to deal with a little extra pressure in certain areas Mm -hmm. than just saying no because you're like afraid that it might yeah. turn out to rock. be too much. Yeah, rock the boat. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of that, you moved to New York. How soon after taking this new job in a new city do you find out you're having a baby? Because talk about rock the boat. <laughs> yeah. The most rocking. Um, I I think I had been there for three and a half-ish years. Okay. But, or maybe so three you, years when I found out of, I was pregnant. You would kind of settled in. I kind of settled in. Yeah. I felt very comfortable in New York. In fact, at the time... Very much so, where we thought we would probably never leave New York, and I was feeling really into my job, or like at least I knew what I was doing. I had learned some of the acronyms of the industry by that point, <laughs> and I had sort of career pathed what, if I continue doing this, what do the next three, four, five, ten, twelve years look like mm-hmm. to a certain extent? And then, yes, found out we were pregnant. So, mm-hmm. take us through sort of that process because I know, I mean, a full time job and being a mom are both very full on experiences and then do it during a pandemic. Yeah. 
so I f didn't, Remy was a miracle baby. We didn't know we could have kids at all. And so he was a very full on surprise, a lovely surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. And so I found out I was pregnant. I was like nine weeks when I found out I was pregnant, which oh if you've never had you, kids, you're like, you I don't know what that means. But you really were not expecting No, no, no. That. Most people find out they're pregnant at like the three to four week mark, yeah. maybe up to six. I was nine. Um, so found out we were pregnant and that was the end of February, 2020. So literally right before mm -hmm. COVID and the world shut down. And so I didn't, oh my God, just this pregnancy. It was like, I had one OB appointment in New York around the beginning of March. Didn't like the OB. So I was in the process of finding a new doctor. Things shut down. We locked, we quarantined with some friends' parents for the, it was a long weekend. Like literally <laughs> I packed a weekend bag for a four day trip in Pennsylvania that ended up being two and a half months. I'm like oh pregnant. God. I didn't have an OB. I went to seven, I think, different OBs. What? Yeah, during the pregnancy. Oh my we God. finally moved back to New York from all of the quarantine and, and everything when I was 36 weeks and no doctor would take me. They're like, no, we take new patients up to 15 weeks. I was like, okay, well, so let me tell you this. Yeah, I said, this baby is coming, give or take four <laughs> weeks from now do you want to be responsible for that? I would like sort of threaten them that I get tired or teary eyed. And eventually one doctor <laughs> took pity on me and took me. So I actually am very grateful that I was pregnant during COVID because part of it was just adjusting to like, wait a minute, this isn't even a season of life that I had anticipated for. This was not even on our radar. So there was definitely an adjustment period there, but we were being from home. Like Nick was there for every single day of pregnancy, which was really cool. Um, Coming back to work after having the baby, I had started a new role, and at the time, it was, like, indefinitely remote, so that took, that was a bit of a, talk about rocking the boat, it was, like, coming back to work as a new person, I've said this before, when my kid was born, a new version of me was, too, and I think every mom can say that, like, you become someone totally new, and it's beautiful, and I'm so grateful for that person who gets to exist now, because my kid also does, but being... Like, I just didn't, I didn't recognize myself. I didn't recognize how to do my job. And I came into a new role. So it was hairy for, for and that's why and, I say like 18 you, months. And you was, had no childcare because it's yeah, COVID. And yeah. your husband's also trying to work from home. Yeah. So he was home with us for a year. In a Brooklyn apartment. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, what square footage are we looking at for that? It's like, 500. <laughs> 500 square feet. Cozy. For two adults working from home and a child, an infant. Yeah. Yeah. So it was stretching and that's how we ended up back in DC because we needed more space and more affordable childcare. Um, but it was also, again, like going back to the thing we were talking about, I'm grateful for the stretching because it helped us to figure out what are our priorities? What are we willing to sacrifice? Um, and what, and, and part of that was how do I refit in the corporate part because my whole life I've been I mean I mentioned in my background I've always been motivated by money I've always been motivated by career aspirations so that got thrown off a little bit when I first had the baby and I wasn't sure how do both of these coexist but I've since returned to that and that is important to me and so making certain that there's room on the plate for those elements to has taken some time, but we're getting there. <laughs> well, I know you're really big on goal setting and really having like a vision. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure a, an unexpected, wonderful pregnancy was not, you said, was not part of that. How did you kind of reassess once you had him? And then what would you kind of tell other people who are maybe in a similar 
stage of I love my career. I'm so invested in what I'm doing. I think I want to be a mom or I know I want to be a mom, but I just truly don't know how you do it at the same time because that's at least I've heard that from a lot of my friends. And honestly, I don't know how like full time, two full time working parents. I'm I'm lucky to be in a different situation and have chosen a different situation that has a lot more flexibility. And it, it I don't I truly don't know how people make it work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, I think. The very first thing I would say, which any parent would also say, is that you're never ready. People people say that to me all the time. Uh, you know, I really enjoy my selfish lifestyle. I'm not sure I'm ready. Listen, we lived in New York City. We did the nightlife, comedy every Friday night. Like, I wasn't ready <laughs> to give that up. I was living a very selfish lifestyle. The thing that no one talks about, or maybe they do, and I'm just not hearing it as much, is that it's so worth it. That it's not a matter of like, I have to be at a place where I'm ready to be done with that season of my life. First of all, it swings back around. Like, get a babysitter and go out and have a wild Friday night if you want to. But also there's, I talked about like being born when my son was born. Things just reshuffle. Like, just have a little faith that things reshuffle to, to a certain extent. But when it comes to goal setting... I mean, take time not to be in goal setting mode, I think is maybe the very, very first thing. Like I'm the biggest goal setter you'll ever meet maybe. And it was 18 months until I even felt interested in trying to put something, a goal in front of myself that I was going to measure myself against. And yes, when it comes to like tactically being good at setting and achieving goals, I have all kinds of different systems. But if your heart isn't in it, if you're really, if you're only doing it for the sake of setting a goal, don't do it because you're wasting your own energy and you're wasting joy that could be refocused someplace else. So I would say the first thing is just give yourself, like know that there's not a time limit on these things. I mean, every every day is a gift. Every moment is, if we can wake up today and, and that's it, that's enough. And then from there, when you feel ready and excited about some kind of a goal, cool. I can teach you how to create a structure and system <laughs> around that to, like, to see it through. But well, it's not about setting goals. It's about falling in love with who you are first as this new person. Well, what you said really resonated with me about not feeling like yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I've, we did a whole podcast on my experience with postpartum depression and I definitely found myself, I don't know if you felt similarly, like looking to do what I used to do to make myself feel more like my old self Mm -hmm. because I felt very disoriented in this new role. And it, it is, it's like, you know, the things that um, I used to enjoy that I can't do now, they have been replaced with some really wonderful things. But at the same time, like, I I need to figure out how to somewhat be myself again and yeah. be, like, grounded in who I am. And I at least felt like part of that was doing what I used to do. So how did you kind of, like, make um, make it okay to take... Because I think a lot of people would say like a year and a half is kind of a long, yeah, a long time. Yeah, when we're used to like three months go back to work. Yeah. yeah, life's back, which we all know is unreasonable. But it it I I still seems like every mom I know sort of has that idea in their head that like a couple months in they're gonna have found a routine. And yeah. Be oh, like, we're yeah. we're out of the newborn phase. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like and literally, so what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It means nothing because then they move. When you're chasing them. Um, yeah. Like, how did you know to give yourself that grace? I feel like that's so wise. Yeah. I think I just knew that first and foremost, I was surprised at how much I really loved being a mom. I knew that I would always love my 
kid and I, I knew that one day we had we had expected that we were going to adopt to start our family. And so I, that was always something that we wanted. Um, but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed being a mom, which I'm grateful for, that that was my experience and, and sort of my just instinctual reaction, I guess. Fortunately for me, I don't think, I just put this on my Instagram yesterday. I don't think that I, or I've never thought of myself as a creative person. So it was very easy for me to let go of a lot of the things. A lot of the ancillary things in my life are creative outlets and I just let go of them. They're not part of, they weren't part of my job. Like for you guys, that's probably much harder because your creativity is tied to your income. For me, that wasn't the case at the time. And so I just let go a lot of things. I was like, literally all I have to do is show up for work today. And I have a really great group of other moms at the company who are so supportive and we're like, yeah, the, my job got 40% today. <laughs> like that, that was all I had to offer. And I just made a promise with myself early on that I wasn't going to feel guilt about the way that I parented. And I wasn't going to feel guilt about the way that I worked. Like I'm doing the best that I can. And then I gradually, that's why I say 18 months is when I maybe started to re-see myself because at that point is when I felt that I had enough of me to start redirecting toward creative outlets. And those, the great thing is the more creative I am, the more inspired and excited and the more that I want to create. Uh, but I just let myself not be creative for a little while, which I recognize is a privilege to maybe like the lifestyle, the, the my job situation that it wasn't tied to it. But... Uh, yeah, I just sort of, I think it starts with, I just made myself promise right? and like hold myself to that promise. That I'm not going to feel guilt. Like there are days I don't see my son as much as I wish that I could because he's in daycare and I have to work. Okay. Like that's just the way that life is right now. I, it sounds kind of like you, the way, even though goal setting is so like important to you and such a, like maybe like a pillar in yeah, your life. This, okay, let's just not. let's just put it out there. This girl always looks fabulous, <laughs> runs marathons, <laughs> is like killing it in her career, is a mom. Like you're you're doing a ton. I think Thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> <cry>? <laughs> it's allergies. <laughs> but I was gonna say, I feel like you don't hold your worth in those things. Yeah. And I feel like it can quickly I feel like that's what would make something feel like why you couldn't give it up if it's like where you define your your identity. I heard someone on actually TikTok say, who are you without your job and relationship mm -hmm. to other people? Yeah. And I was like, uh, nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I was like, that is a real, that's yeah. I think why I've been even thinking more about like, I want to be able to say like, I'm a gardener or I'm a whatever because yeah. If, but I think there's there's some times in your life where you have to literally just be yeah. your job and your relationship with other people. But yeah. it's just like if your worth is not wrapped up in constant achievement, constant productivity, productivity constant like moving the needle forward, then it's more of like an add-on to your life and not like it sounds like in your job you weren't like you weren't employee of the year for that first little bit. And, you know, it's fine. You still have the job. You know, it didn't yeah. like... You don't have to be like 110% all the time. Please to don't be, be 110% all the time. Yeah, you can't. I think one thing that helps, and it's just always been my personality, I like the process of things. I really, that's why I love running marathons. It's not because I'm some psycho who like just wants to torture myself. I love training for it, which is super weird. Like, yeah. who says that? But I don't 
give a tiny rat's tiny about the outcome most of the time. Like, yes, I'm competitive and, and I'm racing against myself, but I'm not, I'm so much more interested in the process. So for things like having a lot on my plate right now or whatever it is, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going through it. Like, I'm not measuring my worth against the outcome. I'm measuring just, am I showing up right now and just trying the best that I can? And with, I didn't run for almost a year after Remy was born because I didn't want to. And I was like, I'm not going to do something when the whole part of my enjoyment is the process. I'm not going to do something where I'm hating the process because I'm not even getting the benefit of the end result because that's not what I'm looking for. If that, yeah, that felt scattered. That is self-awareness and like comfortability with yourself is I feel like really uncommon. Yeah. That's what I feel like is it's like, you're just, you're not wrapped up in that you like, that you run marathons. It's like you are like, yeah, I'm a runner. And I like in one of your podcasts, you're like, anybody who runs anything is a runner. Like you don't have to, it doesn't matter the distance or the I, time. I ran to the bathroom last night. So, <laughs> so you're I'm in. A runner. I'm an athlete. She's an athlete. <laughs> like, I'm gonna pee my pants <laughs> <with> this baby. <laughs> like it's like not your, it's just not your whole identity. And I feel like that's like your identity has to be held in something that's like, I don't know, maybe more sacred than just like what your day-to-day looks like. And yeah. that where gives do you, you separation. Where do you feel like your sense of self and self-esteem and like confidence in just purely being who you are without all the extras, where do you think that comes from? I think it comes from practice. And I think it really does stem from living in a household where curiosity was encouraged and it was modeled like I may not have had models of CEO women and mom bosses or or a white collar environment in any way but I did have an environment of curiosity and I think because of that I learned that I can learn to do anything like I'm not saying that I could be a major league baseball player (laughs) I could not but things that people can learn. We were talking about this with podcasting. Like, we're all new to this and we're figuring it out and it's messy. But it's like, I have some sort of confidence that like, well, if someone got there, I can get there. And so I think it comes from that, which is, again, it's sort of the process, which is like, all if all I need to know how to do is how to learn something, that part I can do. And I was never a good student. Like, this was not played out in my academics. It's just more in life. I see people around me who I admire and they're doing really big things. And this is not to discredit anything that they are doing or anything they've done. It's simply more like, wow, I really admire that they went through the learning process. That's something that I can do. The end result, let it be what it is. But I think it, I think it comes from just always having been celebrated for curiosity, not for outcome. So maybe that's, that's such like learning. Good. As I'm saying I'm that, I'm like, gonna, well, okay, I need to do that for Remy. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Parenting notes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that, I that makes I feel like that makes such a big difference. Like just hearing you say that, I'm like, I want to be more like that. And I'm thinking about people in my life that I really admire and how they like. Emily and I had his grandfather was always like tinkering with stuff and reading books about stuff and just like a generally curious person. He didn't have some like amazing career that was like so impressive and so, but he was just like an interesting person and was interested. Like he always seemed so engaged. And I feel like there could, a lot of joy and happiness can come from just that. Like he was never like an expert in any of the things that he was doing maybe, but he was just like, had a lot of interest. And like, I think in one of your podcasts, you say like an inch, an inch wide, mile deep. Like mm-hmm. you can like, you can zero in on things or you can just be just like generally open to it like yeah. and see what happens before yeah. you decide. 
he just, he's definitely someone that's a perfect person to talk about because he had such a zest for life, yes. such a joy for life that did not come from a specific career. Yeah. Um, and he, I actually, I feel like, yeah. yeah, there's so many similarities of just enjoying the process and enjoying learning for the sake of learning. Mm -hmm. He didn't even have a lot of stock in like how his kids did. Like he wasn't like, he wasn't the kind of um, dad that was ever like, well, my daughter is doing this and my son is doing this. And I'm like, I know you guys obviously have young children and I don't have any, but I imagine that's a healthy mindset in life to not have a lot of your self-esteem wrapped up in what your kid's doing either, because that's something, you know, that you can't really control. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like just having a zest for life that's outside of like an, an outcome, outside of like a super specific goal, maybe. It's just... A general interest. Yeah. Okay, so, but speaking of that, you are such a goal setter, which yes. clearly you hold that with a very open hand. <laughs> yes. But I feel like the people who listen to our podcast might appreciate just hearing what your normal goal process is. I feel like a new season, perfect time to, if you're thinking about approaching something new. Yeah. Yes. Could maybe use some tips. Sure. <laughs> Since you asked. <laughs> so the first, like, it, the first thing I always try to think about in setting a goal is why am I setting it? Like, what's, what's the point of this? Is it because I'm interested in what the outcome is or is it because I'm interested in the process? If it's out, well, either one, especially if it's a specific outcome. So let's say that you're trying, you, you want to launch a blog. I don't know why I chose that as an example because I've never done that successfully, but nah. That's okay. You, you could if you want. I, I could because I know how to set the goals. But I think it's first starting with what is your big picture goal? What are you working at? And then setting up milestones beneath that major goal that are going to help you get there. So for setting up a blog, for example, you would need to buy a domain. You would need to create content and maybe figure out what it is that you're trying to talk about. So flip those, figure out what you want to talk about, and then start creating content. And like that's the bare minimum of all that needs to happen in order to launch a blog. So... We've got our three milestones. Then within those, certainly prioritizing them, but then adding timeframes and giving yourself structure in which to accomplish those. And I say that not to say like, well, this has to be done within three months or it's a bust or this has to be done. But I think it does help to create structure and it makes it simpler to focus on just what is the most important, what's the next right thing to do? What's the most important thing right now? And then big picture, setting check-ins for yourself to hold accountability. So when I set a New Year's resolution, for example, I set quite literally when I'm writing my New Year's resolution, I will set a calendar reminder for myself at the start of each quarter. So every three months, so that's January, okay, February, March, April 1, June, July, August, no. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You guys know. You can, you can figure it out. Months. October. Yeah. October. I know one's October. Yeah, there you go. So every three months, I will set an actual calendar invite to revisit it and come back and say, okay, what, what's the progress I've made to this? Or have I stuck with it? If I haven't, why not? Is it because it's no longer important or relevant? Probably not. Probably it's still something important to me, but other parts, systems in my life haven't um, supported that. And so then it just makes it a lot easier to go back to the, to the grassroots of understanding, like, why wasn't I what wasn't setting me up for success. Maybe my milestones are not properly aligned for right now. Okay, that's fine. Change a milestone if you need to. But the point is, I think sometimes people set a goal and then they just like expect the goal to happen. And they're like, it didn't happen, so the goal must be wrong. Most of the time, it's that the building blocks up to that were 
either not properly aligned or you didn't hold yourself accountable to those to begin with. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I would say is like one, outline it. What What is your goal? What's the why behind it? And then what are the three is a good starting point, but every goal might have different milestones to it. And then set regular calendar invites for me. That's what works, but like regular check-ins and accountability with yourself toward those milestones so that you're checking in to make sure that they're still right-sized against the goal itself. Because yeah. you can always pivot. You can right? always pivot. Yeah. And I like the idea of like pivoting sort of like the details of the goal, not necessarily the goal itself. Like yeah. you can, if starting a blog and, you know, it, we all fall into the trap of when we're writing the goals, we're so excited. We're like, I'm definitely going to have yeah. my first blog post written by next week. Yeah. Because at the time you're like, I can't wait to get started. And yeah. then that week comes and goes and you're like, I haven't even bought the domain yet. You know, it's like yeah. very easy to just get behind because you're so excited at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I love the idea of then checking in and being like, okay, so maybe the timeline of this was a little off. Maybe I was a little over eager. Maybe that's just me, but that's my personality um, <laughs> to be like, I could do all of it in the next three days. Why not? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can, and sometimes I absolutely can't. And um, that instead of just thinking, well, the whole thing's a bust. There's no way I can do it. Clearly I couldn't do it because I didn't do it in the you yeah. know, slightly unreasonable timeline I set initially that you can just be like, okay, let's, you know see what's happening right now with my life and what is actually yeah. possible. And yeah. I love the idea of a check-in instead of just being like, well, I feel like crap now that I've moved this on my to-do list 700 yeah. times and I still haven't done it and I'm feeling defeated and I just, I'm going to yeah scrap it mm-hmm. because yeah, normally the things that we come up with for goals is for ourselves. They are important for some reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. But I think to the maybe the most underlying current to put a fine point on here is also the systems to it. So go back to your point about you want to launch your blog. You're like so excited to write. And then you realize that there are all these other things that need to happen in order for you to hit publish on something that you've written, but you didn't leave enough time in your week to actually do that. I think creating a system that is reasonable against your goal is really important, which is I I did do a podcast on this. And one of the examples I give is like, if you're trying to write a blog how much time in your week can you actually dedicate to doing that? And create a system of like, you can, you should only be trying to uproot 10% of your life at one time. I love that. So like, that if it's going to take more than 10% of your time in a week as this new thing that you're working toward for this goal, you probably need to right size your milestones so that it can fit within that 10% margin of your week. So that it's not like, well, in order for this to get done, I have to stop doing everything else and I can't feed yeah. my kid this week and like everything, no that's never sleeping. going to happen. No more sleeping. Yeah. yeah, so then we think that the problem is the goal when really the problem is like, okay, let's look at our timeline. Let's look at the milestones and let's look at how this slots into the other things that I'm going to be working to do, which is why I, it's a hot take, but I love New Year's resolutions. Most people hate them because they've tried them and they're like, well, I wanted to save money, I wanted to uh, start eating cleaner, and I wanted to achieve XYZ business goal. Like, those are huge overhauls in your life, and you're trying to do all of them at one time. Yeah. You're going to fail at all of them. So let's focus on one, set the milestones around it, give yourself a timeline to start getting momentum, because that's the other thing, is like, once you get momentum towards something, it's a lot easier to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. And then move forward from there. I love the idea of only uprooting 10% of your life, because I don't know if you guys can catch this about me, but generally someone who jumps in with 
two feet, two arms, a head and my neck all into <laughs> the same thing. And it's this huge, you know, and, and it's only, you can only be sustainable with something like that for a minute. And yeah, then weirdly, you do still need to sleep and, and eat. And I'm saying this yeah. to myself because I do the exact same yeah. thing when I get really excited. Yeah. 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 So it just, it has to, you have to figure out how to make it actually be something that's like, even just this podcast at first, it was like, oh my God, we're so excited. It's amazing. And while we still love it, we had to figure out how to do it every week so that it fit yeah. within our lives because we, Emily can't like, you know, yeah, so put her baby back in. Like it's, you know, <laughs> why did that, why is that the thing that came to mind? <laughs> I'm like, no, but we have, we, we've had to adjust. Like some weeks we do two at once and we mm -hmm. are, we have to be flexible. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a flexible thing. And also, a. I don't like the idea of being like, just always be realistic, but it is like, you do have to figure out what, like you can't change your whole life in one day. Yeah. Do you find, because I think also one of the best things about you and my observation of like what you do and what you project to your audience is that you are trying a lot of new things and that you are all in like I can feel your energy and your enthusiasm <laughs> in your Instagram stories the content that you create and that's what attracts me to you yeah so I never want you to think of that as a bad thing but do you think like do you tend to take on a lot of things that you're trying to go all in on at one time I think I take on a lot of things and then expect them to all be perfect mm, like I yeah. expect them all to be really good working on this in therapy actually is the idea of like if you're gonna do a lot of stuff we have family friends that say they're like, we do a ton of stuff at a C plus level. Mm -hmm. And I've always admired them because they just live in a happy understanding of like, they own a bunch of businesses. They're like, we're just not going to do all of this stuff yeah, they, they, at an A plus. They yeah. say it with a huge smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, of course it's C plus. Look at everything we're doing. And I think that yeah. it's fine if you want to do one thing at an A level. I get very bored of that comp. Like, I don't. I, I don't like that for myself. And so I think it's melding those two things together of being like, I can't do all these things and try all these new things all the time and be enthusiastic about all these things and expect myself to do them perfectly. Yeah. Um, so I think like giving myself some more freedom and grace in those things actually leads me to being so much happier. I used to think that I would be happy if I could get everything done in a perfect polished way and tie a bow at the top. Now I realize that actually the messy ness of it is actually a lot of fun to me and yeah um I have to just like sort of like lower my expectations about each thing a little bit to be able to do them all yeah and, and I think you said it earlier talking about like very early in the conversation talking about uh when you ask for a promotion or you ask for something in your job like whose expectation no one's asking you to do this forever and ever amen or it wasn't a promotion it was like taking on more things and saying yes right. to things which is like no one's asking so to your point no one's asking you to be perfect I love a little bit of messiness when I'm seeing other people doing it I love that's my favorite thing is to see people not do things perfectly and then I'm rooting for them while they right. get to perfect and that's amazing but I think it's like where's it's like the expectation coming on? Yeah, it's exactly. Like not, nobody's being like, "Oh my god, this audio quality is not perfect." Like literally, no one unsubscribe, and no one's <laughs> ever mentioned the audio quality or something like that. Like it's they might on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, we did our We're best. Doing our best, but I'm like, it's on, on anything, either video quality on TikTok, whatever. It's it's things that it's like, it's like a an expectation I have for myself. And I realized that's actually been hindering me, not mm -hmm. making, not pushing me to be more successful. So yeah. um, I think that it's been so freeing to start feeling like, you know what? I can just do it. And if it doesn't come out that good, like, okay, there's, there's no actual repercussion. 
Yes, there's obviously people and careers that have to focus on preciseness. I'm thinking doctors here. I'm thinking, you know, maybe a lawyer. But then there are people, you know, like me, like a TikToker. There's a reason you didn't choose anesthesiology. There is. I would be so, I am so not like a details person. Like I think about that all the time that if I had like chosen, like that would have been such a bad fit for me. Hilarious. Good thing you're here. Yeah. Yes. Don't ever let me give you anesthesia. Don't try to avoid it. Thanks. They're like, no worries. I wasn't thinking about it. (laughs) Okay. Well, clearly we can talk to Erin forever. She's a wealth of wisdom and knowledge and just someone that we both really look up to. Yes. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me at erin.france, E-R-I-N dot France, like the country. On Instagram, the podcast is Thanks for Waiting with Erin Lowry. And my website is erinlowry.com. Oh my gosh. You guys follow along. Her podcast is so good. So much of the stuff we talked about, she goes into much more detail yeah. uh, talking about. And I've already learned so much. So Me too. Learned. It's not just for corporate career women. No. I'm learning a lot from it as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I would say I'm I'm the anti-corporate at this moment. (laughs) Career slight pause, but I mean, a couple of things going on. Yeah, a couple big projects happening at the moment. So, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.